Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. John, thank you so much for joining me on Headstrong. Pleasure. How are you doing, sir? Thanks for having me. Absolutely very well. Yeah. Hope you're the same. Of course I am, I am, I am. You've been here in camp now for just over eight weeks. We were chatting earlier. That's right. Are you feeling a little bit homesick or...? Not really, because it's a job I'm well used to and a thing we've got to do, you know, and uh, the priority here is getting Tommy in the best of shape for his uh, up-and-coming fight on the 14th in Manchester. So, yeah, and I think we've achieved that. We're in the uh, last stages of his training now. This is the last week. And, uh, yeah, place has been brilliant. People's been brilliant. The training camp's gone very, very well. You know, and what can I say? Enjoyed every minute of it. And you've got Tyson and Tommy here in camp, right? No, just Tommy. So just Tommy. Does the direction of camp change depending on the level of the fight or is actually because the ultimate goal is to win, the training is always you know, full on, 100% and you're, you're driving towards that goal of winning? We take every contest like it's a world title fight, no matter who it is. Mm. You know, we don't leave a stone unturned because there's no room in this job for cutting corners. You cut corners, you fail, you know, and that's my job. On my assistant coach, Bob Howard, to make sure that that doesn't happen. But the boys work very well. They know what's required of them. They know what they've got to put in to get the best out. You know, and what can I say? They've been terrific. You know, and uh, there's, well, it just shows you the hard work pays off. Look what Tyson is, look what Tommy is. You know, it's uh, the proof in the pudding's eating it. And these boys here, they exceed all levels of the job. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I'm a lucky man to have such great boys to train, you know, who really want it, who know what's expected of them. Yeah, I mean, we'll come back to definitely talk about the boxing mm. and the camp side of it. But Headstrong is rooted in mental health. Right. And so I really want to kind of talk about that first and foremost and ask you, first of all, mm. when did you first become aware of mental health as a conversation and in general? All my life. I can't never remember a time where we've not had this conversation because my father was one, a mental health sufferer. His father, his mother, it's a generational thing. It goes back as far back as I can remember. I don't ever remember any, any one of my father's family not on medication. Mm. He had three sisters, but was never married. They never ever had relationships, and uh, there was mental health sufferers. And all I can remember is the sound of pills in bottles everywhere they went. When they walked about, you could hear the pills rattling in the bottles, if that makes any kind of sense. Mm. And that's the thing I grew up with. It was the norm for me to see them taking tablets, a lot of tablets, you know, and I just think, okay, yeah. These used to say to me, come here, son. I want you to go to the, uh, the doctors and get me a prescription for me. And I remember going to the, the doctors for these prescriptions, nothing but pills. Nothing but pills. Obviously, I didn't know what there was about or what was in them because I was far too young. But it was a norm for me to go and get an armful of pills and deliver them back to my aunties, my father. And the, the, the bottles all had each and everyone's individual names on them. It had my father's name on, his sister's names, his mother's names, my grandmother. 
you know, and it was the norm. So I grew up with it. Within the traveling community, and not just your family personally, but in the wider community, was mental health talked about? No. No, was it a taboo subject more so than it is now? Absolutely. Back then you couldn't mention it, you know. I used to get told off for not trying to hide the prescription. Because mm. my answer say to me, what do you think I give you a bag for, son? I don't want any of this on show. Put it in the bag. I don't want people seeing all this. And I used to get told off. I used to say, well, I don't want to do it no more. Then you'll say, I'll do, as, you'll do what I say to you to do. And I thought to myself, you know what? What is this? You know, but I, I believed that they was getting probably low in myself because they hadn't had the medication. It was late. Because in them days, it was, things was always late, not like they are today. Mm. Your pills, I remember my father going a weekend with none of them. And it was absolute hell to live with. And what's your kind of experience then with mental health and, and indeed depression? Well, it's a daily struggle for me, to be fair with you. Even in this camp, I can get myself depressed and uptight about stuff, but I've learned how to manage it properly. When I feel that coming on, I maybe go for a run down the road, talk to different people, see what ideas they've got, have a look around some new stuff. I'm always trying to find stuff to do, mm. because if you sit there and you overthink stuff, you're just gonna dip and dip and dip. And with me, I've sort of been a kind of fellow all my life to other people, like, you know, <laughs> My dad ain't like that. My dad, my dad can put up with anything. My dad's as solid as a rock. Mm. You know, but deep down inside, I was probably a bigger sufferer than them I'm talking about. Because it's all disguised with me. But I get me down times, you know, when I feel sad. I feel bad about stuff when nothing matters. You feel like, what am I doing here? Does this all this matter? And then something else clicks in my head to say, yes, it does matter. Stop thinking like this. And I look for positive stuff and not negativity. Because I can find negativity getting in this boxing ring. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? There's even times when I've come in here to do a session, and I think, don't need this. But if I feel like that and they see it, it's not gonna make them perform very well. Yeah. You know, so I just hide it up, you know, like, I won't have it. If I'm having a bad day, I'm gonna find something to do, somebody to talk to, and battle it out with it. It's about shifting that mindset, right? Yeah. And because ultimately, my interpretation of you from the, the little time that I've spent with you, yeah. you're very headstrong. You know, you've got to be... <laughs> That's into, an understatement. You know, I've got, you've got to name drop the old headstrong there. But you know what I mean? You are yeah. incredibly headstrong because yeah. you've got the power to switch those invasive thoughts yeah. into a positive. Yeah. But I mean, not everyone's got that ability or strength to do that, right? It's very difficult, but also very easy. But it's what you want, isn't it? Yeah. It's what you want. If I get up say this morning, and I don't want to do none of this, because it's quite possible I could get up in the morning and not want any of this. And I'll say to myself, why are you doing this again today when you know the result is doing it and being happy after? Mm. And you're gonna be glad you've done all that. And I am, because what gets me through life now is meeting different people, meeting all you guys, you bring different ideas, different personalities, and it makes me happy. It makes me happy. I get positive vibes out of it. Yeah, we like and to hear that. And it's not for the sake of doing, being on people's internet and social media. I do this because I enjoy talking to you. I've enjoyed talking to Laura, you guys, like you, you, you know me next door neighbour and that, don't you? It's all, you don't know who you're going to meet in the day, do you? Yeah, for sure. And that's what makes life worth living, I it's think. It's the journey. The journey. And meeting people. And I would think life's all about meeting people, well, yeah. isn't it? On a journey never ends, does it? Yeah. It never ends. It only ends when you want it to end. I don't want it to end. And I say to everybody who suffers, speak to different people. They can bring you out of it. And they can be sufferers yourself. They might be concealing what you're concealing. Now, I know you just said that when you get in the boxing rings, even mm. if you're feeling pretty crap, let's say, sure. you know, and you're feeling pretty negative yeah. and in your thoughts, but you've got to not show it. Do you, though, think there is a strength in showing your vulnerabilities? Yes. But there's a time and a place to show them, isn't there? Yeah, for sure. Like, when you're training fighters, weaknesses, it don't go hand in glove with the fight game. Because to do this job, you've got to be so mentally focused, so mentally strong. There hasn't got to be any part in your game plan or your attitude for the weakness. 
and like I, I do more training the mind here than the body because you can only get so fit. Mm. We've done all that. We've done the sparring. We've done the grueling work. Let's talk about the mental side of it, which is 80% of everything. It's your mind. Yeah. How focused you are, what you're gonna believe in, what you're gonna do, and believe in your own capability. Now, yes, I might be a mental health sufferer. Yes, that's well and that's all true. But I believe in myself. I believe in my own inner strength that I can conquer anything that's put in front of me. You know, obviously, if I get a fatal disease and die, that's nothing I can do about that. But mental health, you know, you can do what you want with it. Like mental health can play a game with you in your head, you can also play a game with that and you can win. Mm. You can win. And I'm a winner because I'm still here. I'm 58 years old and uh, I'm having an Indian summer. But what I've practiced, I've preached all the way down the pipe from the start to the end of it. You know, because I had some rocky times, me. I'll tell you, you re you'll see in the book, mm. you know, and I couldn't put everything in there because people find it probably a bit too much for the mind to take in this generation. Well, you have done some daft stuff and it's all been mental health related. I mean, I've had the pleasure of uh, receiving a preview of When Fury Takes Over, right. which is coming out on the 26th of October. And I've got to say that there's a particular chapter on it about mental health mm. and notably your experiences with depression and also uh, giving advice on your experiences with mental health and also within the family, <laughs> which I think is incredible. But there was one story that I'd like to talk about, if we can, yeah. about some chap that uh, had your mobile number and texted you, um, that he was kind of on the, at the bitter end of, of things, and you actually drove up to see him. Mm. I mean, can you just tell me a little bit about that? Well, yes, you know, at the end of the day, people ring up and you can feel that, there are, that there's nowhere for them left to go. They're at an all-time loan, they're gonna do something stupid. So I don't mind going to these people and saying, you know what, let me help you. You know, Tyson does it regular, but he don't tell you, like I don't tell you. Mm. But if you can help somebody by getting in your vehicle and going to them and talking to them and saying, look, I'm the same as you, my friend. Life's to be lived, it's a gift from God. Every day's a blessing. And you don't know what you're gonna find during that day. That can save people's lives. And I remember, he came to, after, after the meeting, he come to some boxing show. You know, he had a girlfriend. Yeah. He had a good relationship, he found a job. He got his life on track, you know. And that's how it's meant to be. Help one another, isn't it? Help one another. You know, there was one time Tyson, a young lad who couldn't be no more than 18, come with his mother. He was stood there, he was shaking like a leaf on them trees out there and he was crying his eyes out. He said, I'm at me all time, I can't go on. Tyson was doing a, a seminar meeting in Sheffield. He put the meeting back an hour and a half to sort this young lad out and his mother. He said, apologise for me about the fans that's come to see me speak to me. He said, but this is far more important to me. He spoke to him, talked to him, you know, put his arms around him, give him an hug and that. The kid was brand new. We seen him again a month later, he was a different person. Yeah. That's what makes it all worthwhile. You know, we're all put on this planet to do good. It's whether you want to put your best foot forward to help somebody else. Well, you could say, oh, I'm in that position myself. I'm too messed up to bother with anybody. I can't deal with myself. But that's the wrong way to think, because you can deal with yourself and other people. And it's enjoyable, by the way. Yeah. And the satisfaction you get by seeing them people improve, money can't buy that. I don't care how much. There's a cheque there for you to go in your bank account. When, you've done, when you know you've done good and you've probably saved a life and you've given somebody a second chance, the reward is phenomenal. And I've been there with my own son, Tyson, three years of it. And it, I would, it was probably the closest thing to hell and doom and gloom as a man could get. Because every time the phone rings, you don't know whether you're going to get a bad, bad message saying, well, he's not here anymore. At that time, did you have anxiety about receiving a phone call like that? Every second of the day for three years. Until it made myself not want to live. I used to get me down times and say to myself, you know what, I can do without this me. Is this gonna get the better of me? I'm weaker now than I've ever been. But being me 
And here I am. I'm going to dig deep because of other people. You know, it is. It's, uh, it's even heavy now, you can see, can't you? Yeah. It's very heavy I mean, I know stuff. it's difficult to talk about. I'm it sorry is. if there's some no, stuff No, listen, it's, it, it, I've been to uh, some dark places in my life. But even now, I've got to like control my emotions and the way I think and what I do. Because people don't know the half what's gone on here. Mm. This all looks rosy now. Oh, yes. Big money being talked about. Big houses on TV programmes. Lovely lives. But behind it all, there's been misery and turmoil and sadness beyond all belief. That's the only way I can describe it. I'm either on the receiving end of it, but um, I'm strong enough to take it because I've had to be. Because mm. I wouldn't crumble because I'm no way I'm doing that. Yeah. I'm not. I'm going to see it through till I take my last breath. And what they do when I'm no longer here is up to them. But if they can draw on something that I do in a strength, like in the end I got that deluded, depressed with everything. The phone going, I was like that. Mm. Is he dead? That's no way to live your life. And by all the reason in the world, I shouldn't be here talking to you now. I should have been in the funny farm somewhere in a padded cell with a straitjacket on. You know what I'm saying? But I refuse to go there. And it just shows you through all the torment, the pressure, the anxiety, all the bad things rolled into one, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And this is the light here yeah. now, look. But you know, like I know, it never goes away. No, for it sure. can rear its ugly head at any second of the day. You know, even now, Tyson, he'll have his time. I can speak to him on the phone, I think. I'll take the phone from here because I look at the phone, that's just an habit I do. I think, yeah, he's on one today. You know, what's up, son? You know. But it, as time's rolled on now, Tyson's been more inward. He does a better job of concealing it than he used to do. Because I said, look, you know, you've got a family of kids looking at you. And you're the only thing in their life what's important. And they're the only one they're going to look up to. So if they look at a wreck of a man as a father 24 hours a day, how do you think they're going to grow up? How do you think they're going to turn out? not good so your duty is to look like a tower of strength in front of that family even though you're not you know because that's what mental health does it sort of like uh, there's a lot of pretense involved with it isn't mm. trying to be tough and all that we're all human beings we've all got feelings but it's the hardest thing in the world to deal with and i i can sympathize with those people who's not as strong as me who's probably not as strong as tyson this thing can sink you like a brick in the ocean, you know, but it's what, you, what you've got to do. And the only thing I say, good friends, good sound advice, you know, and professional help. Because I was doing a podcast the other day, I went down to Goodwood, me and Tyson, I'm not ashamed to say it now. I was then, but I'm not ashamed to say it now because those people, they study all their lives to be good at what they do. Mm -hmm. We went down there and I was sat in the corner and I was listening to what she was saying to Tyson. And I felt better myself. I thought, I'm going to take some of this home and use it when I need to use it. You know, and about and that, we was there for a couple of hours talking to different people. And those people ain't like you think. They don't treat you like you're not right in your head. They don't try and make you feel miserable or worse than what you are. They're there to tap in the better side of you. I think what people forget is they're actually on your side. On your side? Yeah. Whereas Absolutely. they think it's like they're trying to have a battle with yes. you and fight you and actually... Please don't they're think in like your... that because that's not yeah. the way it is. The, you know, even... The, yeah. I always, always hear this and always say this as well. The hardest thing to do is reach out. The first stage reach is the out. hardest part. Yeah. 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 But yeah as I'm soon as you've done that, it's like a weight off your shoulders. It's that relief. Because ultimately, yes, you as a pillar and a solitary <laughs> individual can hold on to it because you're so headstrong, but some people aren't strong enough. So reaching out and talking to someone is the, <laughs> the fundamental step. Well, I'll tell you, when we was going, it was like a four-hour drive down there. There was hardly anything got said. It was a dull trip down there. Mm. We stopped for a McDonald's on the way, a cup of coffee or whatever. <laughs> and we even said... 
she would turn around and go home. What's this about? It's things that bad we need to do a four hour trip, trip to let somebody go down here and humour us and tell us what we want to hear. We nearly turned around. We nearly went home. But something in the back of my brain told me, no, let's go. And when we pulled up on the car park, it was busier than this. I thought, there must be a lot of mental health sufferers in the world. Because then we were still pretty new to the situation. Yeah. We didn't know nothing about the outside world and what they were suffering, you see. And we pulled up on the car park in the waiting room, was called in. And it's, it was a nerve-wracking thing. You know, when you're there, actually, in there, and you're thinking to yourself, are they going to look at us strange? Are they going to talk to us like we're five-year-old apiece? You don't know what to expect. Yeah. But the way they approached the job and what they said over the time we was there, everything they said made sense. And what they told us was actually happening to us. So, and again, they said, do this, do that, X, Y, Z. We did. Anyway, we went out, not going on because I can't talk forever. <laughs> but uh, good. we uh, went out to the car park, gets back in the motor. <laughs> we just burst out laughing at each other. You know, he said, let's go down to Bogner Regis and get an ice cream and have a walk down the front on the seafront. Yeah. Went down there, so how do you feel in yourself? He said, how do you feel? I said, magnificent. Wonderful. So how do you feel? The same. And we saluted those people and come home. And ever since then, they enlightened us to the fact that you can only do so much yourself. Yeah. You can only do so much by talking to people. If you get too low, there's helplines, there's advice, there's people there for you 24-7. Use it. Use it. And they bang on about the government not doing enough about this, that and the other. They're doing all they can. It's up to you to use what's on offer. Because there's everything on offer. Like they say, we can't get work. Rubbish. There's loads of work out there. Go and find some. Yeah. You know, there's jobs. There's help for mental health. There's help for every weakness in the world today. You know, because that's what the world is. It's become a place where you can source help in seconds. Not like it was when I was a kid. We had to, we had to wait a week to see a doctor. You know what I'm saying? So now it just embraces all these people's skills. It can improve your life. If we look at the kind of the Furies themselves, such as yourself and yeah. Tyson and Tommy, do you think the external pressures of social media, the pressure of succeeding at this top level of boxing, that spotlight magnifies mental health issues for you guys internally? Or do you think actually because it's part of what you experience daily, that's kind of by the by? It depends what perspective you put things in and what order. If you're going to let big time boxing, fame and fortune get in to your head so you can't think straight yourself on your normal daily to day basis, that's up to you. But to me, like I say to these boys, this is just the same job, but with a bit more glitz. And just a few more people, the cameras, people want to talk to you, mm. people want to get an insight to what you do because you become a name on this pressure and this kind of thing comes hand in glove what we're doing. This is what we strive for. This is what the achievement is. This is what success is. This, so embrace it and enjoy it. And there's a different thing about stressing over it and enjoying it. We enjoy this. One man commented when Tyson was fighting Dillian White, I think I was trying to dance somewhere in, in, in the changing room. We were singing and joking and laughing. All these people was like they're going to the guillotine, the ones who was on before us. We yeah. don't look at it like that. Yeah. We don't look at it like that. This is what we do. This is our life. And we want to enjoy it. Because when it's gone, it's gone. And all good things come to an end. Always remember that. Yeah, for sure. You know, so while it's here, enjoy it. Don't get pressured up. Don't get mithered. Don't get derailed. Don't get sidetracked. Tunnel vision. Yes, this is happening. I'm enjoying it. That's where we are. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we're sat in, sat in your ring yeah. in camp now and something that's so important for your mental health mm. and indeed Tyson's, particularly during lockdown as well, yeah. is exercise, right? Oh, Which is the fundamental <laughs> oh, thing for you daily, right? Oh dear, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. tell me like, what's a typical day 
for you in terms of exercise? I mean, it's a non-negotiable, isn't it? No. Well, I get up every day and I go for like, sometimes I'll do a long run on a weekend. I'll do like, I'll do seven miles on a weekend, but every other day I do like three miles, four miles. I'll come back, hit the bags in here between training sessions. I'll go over there, use the weights. You know, I exercise at least four days a week. And if I haven't got much on and I feel up for it, I'll do five. I always have weekends off because you can do too much. Yeah. I know we don't look like we do that, but that's our genetics. You know, Tyson could train. He's probably one of the fittest men in the world, Tyson, but don't look it. But muscles and physique don't mean anything. It's what's inside of a person, isn't it? You know, and uh, I can do things probably what a young man can't do. I've had young men here, I've took them on runs with me. To get a mile up that road and that's it, they don't want to know. So hang on, mate, we've got another three miles to do yet. My housemate said that you'd easily outrun me. <laughs> Listen, it's not about running you, but, you know, I've built up stamina levels over the yeah, years. Yeah, I, sure. I've done it all my life, you know. You know, and at the end of the day, when you've done something and you've made something part of your life like I have, it's not a chore. Well, it's the release, release of those endorphins as well. It just makes you feel great. Gives you energy as well. It's got me through so much in my life, you know, because I can be wound up i can be pressured up i thought you know what i'm trying to get my head around it but it's not working i'm looking for my trainers clear your head stick them on i go for a four miler i come back on the world's a bright place i haven't got a problem in the world i could be going to the guillotine if i have a four mile run before it i'll be happy about it that's how powerful <laughs> it is in my mind you know so exercise and in global what furies do us Furies anyway, because there's other Furies, I don't know what they do, because I don't know. Yeah. But me, my immediate family, you know, my brothers, when they was alive, they all did that. We trained, we exercised, because we knew no other way of enjoying life. And we used to say, even before we went on holiday, we'd probably go for a nice run. We'd do a quick three miles before we got on the plane, seven o'clock that morning. Make your day, have a good start to your day by getting endorphins going, you know. And when I come in, I can hit that bag, hit that bag for 20 minutes or so. I'm a different guy, you know, I'm relaxed. And you know the feeling you get after you sit down for five minutes, you get a quick shower, you sit down. Yeah. It's better than any eye you could ever experience from any, anything else. Yeah, for sure. What you've got to do, you've got to work towards it. But I say to people who don't do any exercise, it's going to be hard for the first three months. But when you get into it, it becomes a drug. It's all about a routine. It becomes an habit. It becomes habit, yeah. a thing you can't do without. I can't do without exercise because it stimulates my brain. Because I always say, your brain's a mechanical, the mental health is a mechanical imbalance in the brain. And some things are better for it than others. And we just find exercise the key. Yeah. Not drinking, not drugs, not listening to everybody who knows everything and knows nothing. You know, talk to like-minded people who you can draw some sense out of what they're saying and get them trainers on. Yeah, I mean, if you're happy to, we're going to come on and talk about the, the alcohol and drugs in a bit. Because yeah. I think that's so important in, for, in regards to mental health. <laughs> Absolutely. One, one thing that I wanted to ask you is what are the direct comparisons, if you think there are, between John Fury, the family man, in the private eye, compared to John Fury, the one at the press conference? You know, are the, are the, do you think there are two different people? Or are they, uh, is it an exaggerated version of yourself? What, what does that look like to you? Good question. I have no understanding of how sometimes I can behave. But there's a switch in my brain where if I'm in a situation or I'm in an environment where there's hostility, I get hostile myself. It's a DNA thing, we're fighters, you know. And that is first and foremost the key to our life. And I was brought up with extreme violence. Mm. That means fighting in pubs, fighting with football, players when they've come out watching a match on a Saturday afternoon or something, we think nothing of having a fight with them for bloody God knows how long. You know, and uh, it's always been a world of war and very little peace growing up. Even in the nightclubs back in the 80s, come kicking out time, you know, you'd have to have a fight with somebody, you know. If you was talking to the wrong girl, there'd be a fight. It was all testosterone then, yeah. you know. And <laughs> we, I enjoyed it. 
But also, it was all you all you ever knew because it's Never what you were brought up. Never else. We brought up on it. Yeah, you know, I had my first fight when I was about four and a half, five years of age, and I remember it very well because I got ripped to pieces and tangled up in some barbed wire. You know, mm. and uh, I had marks all over my body where the wire had caught me, but I was more bothered about because my jump was ripped and my mum had hit me. Yeah, <laughs> you get in trouble. <laughs> yeah, I thought I'm going to get killed. I've got holes in my new jumper. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't new, it was out of the second hand shop, but it was new to me. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I mean, how do you reflect <laughs> on that, that your, your upbringing then to potentially what, let's say, your grandchildren are going to experience now <laughs> in their kind of because technically you're still part of the traveler community and that's what you define yourselves as right but how do you compare those upbringings because they're kind of surely worlds away well let's not forget here that i spent my lifetime in a caravan trailer mm. moving from place to place with all kinds of people yeah the rough smooth whatever you want to call them but when i got to 20 years old i thought to myself you know what that kind of life i need not to keep doing this. There's got to be an easier way. There's got to be a better way. There must be nicer people. Because back in the day, all travellers wanted to do is fight one another. It was about, you know, it was about names, clans. And you could have an argument over somebody who's been dead 100 years. You know, and it'd end up on the car park, you'd have to be fighting over it. And it'd be just nonsense what trouble they're up to over, especially funerals, weddings, pubs. There was a, a breeding ground for violence with travelling people. Still are today. They still do all that kind of thing. On overnight, you can get sick of a world of war mm. and you start wanting to find something else. I thought, surely to God, there must be peace in life because mm. every time you went anywhere to do with the travelling community you know for a fact someone to get said you couldn't go anywhere without having a fight at the end of it how you do know? you think the perception of the traveller community has changed then from when you were growing up to what it is now because obviously Tyson being in the public eye and the Fury household has surely been pretty pivotal in changing the perception of well to be fair you know I've been settled down since I've been 20 years old so my lads have never travelled anywhere. Yeah. They've sort of been brought up in a settled life. Mm. You know, even though we're all travellers, we, we still act the same, but they haven't been exposed to what is out there. Because mm. I used to tell them, keep away from there. Keep away from him. He's a trouble causer. Mm -hmm. And I was like a, a repeat thing. Because I didn't want that life for him. I wanted to be clever. I wanted to be witty, I wanted them to be men, look after their own families, stand on their own two feet kind of thing. And I bought a plot of land not far from here, about three miles down the road, some 30 odd years ago. And that is where I trained my family, my boys, to watch out for hostile people. Instead of meeting them head on, go round them and look for the sensible kind of person you can learn from and move forward, who can enhance your life doing better. Because there's no future in rowing and arguing with anybody. And I learnt that late on in my life, but I was bred up in a place, in a world where I didn't have a choice. I either got insulted, put my head down, walked off, and you didn't feel a man. And that could never happen to a man like me. So I just got on with it. You know, because if I, I felt insulted and my stature was invaded, there'd be a problem, you know, with anybody. I don't care who it was. You know, and at the end of the day, if you can live in a world where that's non-existent, you're going to go down that road, aren't you? And mm. that's what I wanted for my kids. And they've been down that road and they've all done very well. For sure. They're all settled. And they haven't, they haven't been exposed to anything like that, like I was. Because mm. we lived an hand-to-mouth existence when we were younger. There were six of us in, a, in like an 18-foot caravan. We had one motor, one trailer, and went to work. And when we wasn't working, we was arguing. Yeah. Is that a life? For sure. It's not. But I had enough brains and oil in me can to say there's a better way. Well, I found a better way by mixing with different people and not going on too much. It was a settled people that helped me in my life. Because I used to knock on doors to sell stuff when I was a kid. I used to knock on people's doors, ask them, do you want any jobs doing? Do you want to buy anything? 
sort of like that and used to say, I remember one cold day, she said, come in, and I was about 13, I was selling some lino on some rugs on our local council estate to where we was living. She said, come in, it's cold out there. Elderly woman, she'd, she'd been in her 50s then. I seen a nice big roaring fire. I touched some pipes, it was red hot. It looked warm, comfortable, spacious. I thought, well, why can't we live like this then? Mm. Why can't we live like this? And these people was on a council estate, but yet they was far better off than what we was. Because they had the amenities, you know, and we never had that. And I, from that day on, I wanted that. I wanted to be warm. Mm. I didn't want to be all on top of one another, you know, and at the end of the day, I got that. But a DNA thing again sure. has come back in the bloodline. In the bloodline to make me want the small spaces now. Because I, I spend a lot of time off grid, I've got small caravans, I can live six months out of here in them. And I love it winter time as well. So what's in you, you'll never take out of you. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say, you know. So there was obviously this huge and pivotal moment in your life where um, I don't want to go into detail about it, but you went, you, were, you went to prison, but then you came out and resulted in this sobriety, which you are now as well, right? Yeah. And you haven't touched alcohol, you haven't touched drugs for how many years? I've never touched drugs in my life. And alcohol, when was the last time you had an well, alcoholic drink? Well, you know, I maybe have a few twice a year or something. Yeah, but I mean, how pivotal and monumental has that made your kind of focus and mental health indeed? In fact? Well, let's put it this way. If they said there's no more beer left in the world, it wouldn't bother me. I wouldn't lose a wink of sleep. I've never been a drinker. I've never smoked in my life in the description. Don't take drugs. When I was a younger man, I'd, I'd try everything, mm. but it weren't for me. Yeah. You was, as a young kid, you sort of like, never a lot of brains, did you? You sort of want to be in with the crowd. I'll do that. Cause, uh, peer pressure. Yeah, peer pressure. No sense. You know, you do stuff and then you say, that's not for me, that. I've never really had an addiction ever in my life to anything. The only thing I'm addicted to is ice cream, really. And exercise. <laughs> and exercise. <laughs> <laughs> there are worse things to be addicted yeah, to. Yeah, so at the end of the day, yeah, like I say, I was never never into that because I could spend my money on better things because I was a, a young father. I needed my money for better things for my children. And I thought, you know, rather than spend it on drink and nights out, I could thought, look, buy my kid a pair of shoes or something, you know. So that, that was the mentality of me sort of thing. So something I wanted to ask you that my housemate actually kind of told me about is there have been times where you've not been allowed into America for some of these huge fights, right? Does that affect you personally knowing that you weren't able to go or were you actually like the camps happened where you were present so actually you did everything that you could have done. Your presence there wasn't necessarily the be all and end all. If I was to say that I'd probably be lying because those big nights I've missed out on in America were Tyson. They're irreplaceable in my life because at the end of the day the big matters, aren't they? Sure. And like I said to Tyson, I said, look, when I got that big sentence, I said to him, look, I said, my life's going to change now. I probably won't be able to breathe. There'll be people looking at me in depth. I want to go here, I want to go there. So you're going to have to realise that you're going to have to carry on without me. You know, because let's put it this way, if I died tomorrow, you'd have to carry on. So you might as well class me as a bereavement and get on, on me yourself. Because I can only do what I can do here. But does it affect me? Of course it does. I'd like to be there. Mm. I'd like to be ringside at all the big massive events, but I know in my own mind I can't be there. Nobody's fault, only my own. Sure. You know, It's my own stupidity. It's my DNA. It's a character what shows now and again. And I was just explaining to Laura earlier, it's with me, pride has cost me a lot. Because there's something inside of me what won't and can't take a backward step. Even now, I do my best to keep out of the environment where it's going to put me in that position where I'm going to lose it. Mm. You know, and when, like I say, if I'm around violent carry-ons and violent places, I'm going to be like that myself because that's how I am. I'm a pretty sensible fella, but sometimes sense goes out the window. And I go places with the best intentions in the world. And then when I hear like rubbish, things what shouldn't be talked about, people insulting one another like they do. Especially when, you know, 
it's nothing to do with a fight game. And I'm being personal, you know. I'll erupt, and that's just me. And I don't care if I'm uh, having dinner in Buckingham Palace. If <laughs> if <laughs> if it turns out to be a violent spot, I'm going to be first there. Mm. Especially if it's something to do with my kids. If somebody insults one of my children or my immediate family, I can't swallow that. I won't check that and walk away. And you're going to have a problem right there, right then. There's no talking about it. Because like I say... I mean, for you, I mean, even from reading the book as well, family is paramount. It's paramount. number one, isn't it? There's nothing else you means know, Friendships fought by the by, whatever. But yeah. family, well, I, you, know you can't what? change it. You know, I'm a man of few friends because I don't know. I'm probably hard to be friend, you know, because the life I've led, it's all like... A, I'm paranoid about everything, you know, if, if you can understand that. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at everybody thinking, you know, I know why you're here. Because sure. I've always thought, well, where was you 25 years ago? Yeah, where yeah. was you 15 years where ago? Where were you when I was at my weakest? Where was you when I was at my weakest? When Tyson was weak and he was out of action, nobody even rang the phone. I'll tell you who was around him. Me, his brothers and his mother, his wife, his children, his close-knit family. But now, people want to all come around when things are good. A piece of the pie. Piece of the pie. Don't be wrong. This is a job to use, guys. You know, but I'm talking about people that want to be your friend sure. when it suits them. Yeah, yeah. Well, I won't play games like that, and I can see right through them. And that's where my paranoia comes in. Because there's many a person come round here, whilst we've been here, and I've said to them, nicely, but directly, get going. You know, because if people can't be there through the bad times, when you need a shoulder to cry on, when you need somebody with a bit of strength around them to help you through the day with your family, on the knot, do I need them now? When everything's hunky-dory and things are going well, I say not. So bye-bye. I don't want fake people around me at all. I think you're absolutely right. You Couldn't know, agree more. You know, you're better off on your own. Yeah. And a man who don't mind being alone and who don't mind his own company is a very dangerous person. Do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Because pretty, nobody can difficult. get in my head. You're pretty difficult to defeat, aren't you? Well, you can't be defeated because the only, how defeat comes along is nine times out of ten through other people. Yeah. A good-for-nothing, thoughtless, feelingless person or cost a good man or a good woman a life at some point. Always remember that. Mm. And I remember when I was a kid, every time we was going to have a punch-up, this was going to happen, that was going to happen. I'd look round for my friends, there'd only be one man fighting, one boy to be me. You know, I'd look round and be gone. And there'd be four or five lads there, I thought, well, okay, <laughs> I've got it to do. Yeah. They've gone, and they'd have the. Ch when I'd had a punch up with them, I'd probably got a good hiding. They'd have the cheek to come and try and befriend me again. You know what you should do? Yeah. Get off. Yeah, for sure. And now, I'm totally solo. I'm respectful to everybody. I like everybody who likes me and respects me. Because I believe in life. Treat people as you like to be treated yourself. You know, and if you can meet nice people, sincere, sensible people, mm. what's going to give you goals and give you inspiration to carry on, bring them on. Well, you've already spoken about it, but it boils down to respect and doing things that are meaningful to you. Yeah. And that are also not necessarily in the public eye. So the things that have made you feel a million percent is helping people who are on their, you know, on their knees. And that's the stuff that people don't hear about. So, I mean, I'm fully in awe and commend you for what you do and what Tyson does and what the Fury name does. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's amazing. It really is. It's easy for people to to be your friend in this position, isn't it? Being famous, being in a position where we are today, it's going to be very hard to find true and honest folk. But you know who are true and honest folk? Who's that? The mental health sufferers. Yeah. They're here for one thing, the connection. Yeah, for sure. Because they want help with this. They don't want your money. They don't want to shake hands with a famous person. The ones I've met are sincere and they're craving a bit of help. And who better than people like us who's been put on the platform 
to say, come here, come, I'll give you a nice hug. Yeah. Life's good. That's exactly why I started. You this. ring me anytime you have even passed my number on. If they wanna if they wanna call me at three o'clock in the morning, call me all the obscenities in the world, I can put up with that. But good people don't do that. They don't do it. They're here to enhance their life and their mental state. And I'm here every second of the day for people like that. Yeah. I don't tolerate fools, you know, and pretenders and fakes. But I'm a good judge of character. Yeah, I know who's sincere and who isn't. You can see it in their eyes, you can see it in the body language, it says it all. Because when you're a sufferer yourself, you recognise all those signs, don't you? Yeah. And you know, it's a funny thing, isn't it? The human body and how we are. I'm probably, the, given, the, given the platform, probably one of the most violent men you'll ever see. You know what I'm saying? When it, I'm safe. You know, Today's but you know, good. Yeah, but you know then, I see a mental... All I want to do is hug them yeah, yeah. and have a cry with them. Yeah. Well, well... <laughs> well, you've seen... Yeah, I mean... <laughs> I've seen me studs be there with them and we're in tears with them. Well... You know, and, you, and, you, and it's not tears of sadness, it's tears of joy. Knowing these people's here, you can, you can hold them, get through to them, and you're inspiring them. But they don't know, but they inspire me too. I had a cry in my hotel room last night. I stayed well, here last night because I was. Um, well, <laughs> well, because I was I'm like, a regular. Well, I'm like I was two. I'm two I'm hours away, now. Two hours away from home. I was on my own. I was like, and I get a call. I get a call from James, being like, "You're doing a podcast with John tomorrow." He doesn't know about it, and I went, "Oh my god, I've come all the way up here. I booked a cruise. Disaster." I'm like, I'm on my own. I'm out of the way. And I was just like, that's how I was going to react. You know, look, I, you know, I, I'm terrible for it. You know what I'm saying? But listen, it's no lesser man who can show his feelings. Show your feelings. And caring, honest, feeling people will embrace that. They'll say, you know what? He's not a softy. He's a nice fella. He just wants to be around nice people who treat him nice. Yeah. You don't want a world of war where you can't talk to people. People's thinking you're weak. They're thinking you're this. They're thinking you're that. You know, because I can be going from tears in a flick of a switch mm. to somebody they don't want to see. You know what I'm saying? So I don't want to be around people like that. All I want to do is help. So a question I have for you is, how would you define masculinity? <laughs> I don't know, you know. Be yourself. Yeah. I know, in my mind, I'm a man. I'm 100% a man in every way, shape, or form. My feelings are correct, my compassion's correct, everything's in the right places. That's how you define a man who's not ashamed to show his feelings, who's not embarrassed to have a tear in public, who's not afraid to show the world who he really is. I like it. That's me. I mean, so one of the quotes in your book, I, I wrote down, because I just mm -hmm. wanted to repeat it. It says, I want to be an advocate for mental health and to inspire people with depression yeah. that you can still have a life. And yeah. I 100% believe that you are flying the flag for that and indeed well, the Fury Clan. We can't stop on about it enough, can we? You know, all of us. Our life is built around one thing, mental health, you know. And for us to come from where we've been in life to do what we've done, especially Tyson. Mm. He was done. He was finished. Yeah. And look what he'd done. Yeah. And when he got up off the 12th round, in that fight in America, that showed every mental health sufferer on the planet. A hill man was probably at the worst place in his life 10 months earlier to do what he did. That takes some serious resilience. Some, that'll never happen again in this lifetime. It'll never happen ever again. I know he got robbed of glory, but he said, I got robbed of glory, but I said, you haven't. I said, that was the way God intended it to be so you could come again. You needed Wilder again, another two times, to put the final piece of the jigsaw into play. You know, so at the end of the day, all things in the past has had to happen to bring us to where we are today. Mm. But without Tyson, you wouldn't be sat here talking to me, we wouldn't be doing this. I don't think there'd be a Tommy either, because you know, there's, there's plenty of good looking kids out there could have gone on Love Island. <laughs> don't get me wrong, he's had to do yeah. it yourself. He's a great personality, he's a lovely lad, but uh, the name Fury, Tyson's legacy. Legacy. And everybody connected to him with the name of Fury is going to get recognised. You know, I get people, my own cousins, what's not even remotely connected to this job, the minute they say who the name is, 
oh, do you know Tyson? You must be relation to Tyson. Yes, they are relation. You know, but I get told every day that. Mm. Without Tyson, there'd be nothing. Speaking of Tyson, and I've just got to touch on it because it came out last week on BBC Sport. Everyone read the article, and I don't know whether this is true or not, but the fight's been signed with Usyk. Yep. Yeah? Is that going ahead? It's going ahead. And that's going to be Saudi Arabia? Saudi Arabia, yep. That's mega. Yes, definitely. I mean, be that it. is going to be the fight of... I mean, we, I mean, we haven't seen that for how, <laughs> years and well, years. Well, to be honest with you, you know, they've not... Uh, We've, they've, we've not had a concrete date. No. But what but I can tell you is the, site, the fight is signed and they are going to fight at some point in the near future. You know, whether it's just after Christmas, early March, February. It'll be no it. later than March. Let's put it that way. You know, but they're all saying that USEC's going to do this, USEC's going to do... USEC's going to do absolutely nothing or they get knocked out. That's what's going to happen because Tyson, he's out there on his own. It's a one-horse race today and I don't see anybody even troubling him. You know, why do you think he's... Uh, I know people might think it's bizarre to start planning fights when you've got one in hand with this Francis Nagano, but Tyson is that confident of beating him. Yeah. He don't really matter. Tyson's using him as a, a warm-up firing session, you might as well say. You know, because let's have it right. All big men can hit you and pull one at the bag and knock you out. They're big enough men, but on the form book, that ain't going to happen. So therefore, he's looking at Usek afterwards. But will Usek put up a challenge? No. No. He'll get what Daniel Dubar gave him. But this time, Tyson ain't Daniel Dubar. Tyson will finish you. Because well, that's what he's bred to do. There's, a, there's an animal, a fighting devil inside of Tyson that comes out in that ring like nobody can deal with. Mm. If he gets you hurt, you ain't getting out of that. Yeah. If he gets you in trouble, you'll stay in trouble. I'm happy being in the ring with just cameras and... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's it, but he's a, he's a lovely guy. No, I you know, know, I know, he, he, I know. You I know, know. He's, a, he's a pleasurable guy to be around, but like I say, you flip that switch. Yeah, it's part of the DNA. It's a DNA thing where yeah. he, he wants, wants to fight. And I've never seen in my life a man with a will to win as much as him, ever. And I never let's say, let's, once this has happened, and let's just, let's take assumptions, and it's it's a, a knockout win. Surely there's no fight left to do. Is that retirement? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, I wasn't. I just didn't know what you what you thought because ultimately, are there actually any fights left? Me, I would. If I had if I had my way, wouldn't be boxing now. Yeah. I said it was over after Dillian White. Ninety thousand people at Wembley don't get much better than that. Yeah. But his life without boxing. What made you great and what put you in this position is hard to let go of. When your phone stops ringing, when the cameras stop rolling, mm. in the cold light of day, a boxer has nothing, only what he's got. Mm. The gym, the smell of sweat and leather, like this place here smells. It's more addictive than any drug out there. Yeah, for sure. And why do you think you see these fighters going on till nearly 50? They can't not live without the bright lights and the glamour. Everybody patting them on the back, shaking their hand. When you retire, it all stops. You may as well never have done it. And a lot of people can't handle that. And the ones who can, I salute them. And say, yeah, thumbs up. Because it's so hard to give up. And can Tyson do that? Is he ready to do that? I say not. Yeah, and then obviously we, we can talk about Tommy. At the moment, he's just smashing his way through YouTube yeah. stars. Uh, what's after that? What is the goal? I don't know, you know, for Tommy, because let me tell you, Tommy, what I see in the gym is world-class. Tommy's a good fighter in his own right, but he's with his YouTubers now. He's making more money than, than he can from conventional boxing, far more money, yeah. you know, and it's a different audience, different set of fans, and he's got plenty of them. But Tommy's a lovely character. He works hard himself, and he's a damn good fighter. Mm. You know, and uh, I would not waste my time in all this training camp here, week in, week out, yeah. if Tommy couldn't do the business, you know. But if this thing hadn't came along, this YouTube and stuff and all that, where the money's good, he'd been still fighting as a conventional boxer, taking what he could. But can he win titles? Of course he can. Is he good? Of course he is, you know. There'll my only be one Gypsy King, there'll only be Tyson Fury, what's probably 
got the accolades he's got, but Tommy can fight in his own right. He's a fury, but on a different format. And he's enjoying his own life, you know, and uh, in his own right, he's probably as famous as what Tyson is, you know, without the accolades. Because yeah. for somebody who's had 10 bouts, and one was an exhibition, you know, for the amount of fans he's got, the followers he's got, it's, huge. it's amazing. Yeah. It's huge. It's mega. It's the power of social media. Well, in... Let's put it this way. He's more famous than a lot of world champions out there, yeah. isn't he? Yeah. You know, but what a lovely lad. All my lads, they're gentlemen. And I'm so proud of the way they conduct themselves. You know, and that's down to me and the mother, isn't it? Mm. How they are. So when I see people shaking their hand and saying good things about them and giving good vibes out, that makes me an happy person because your children are what you are. If you've got children that don't want to do anything, they're lazy, disruptive, causing problems, that's a reflection on yourself. You've done your job wrong. Put time into your kids because they're all you've got when you get older. Because when you're sat in your chair, when nobody's coming to see you, when you're looking through the window thinking, oh, is he coming to see me? And he walks straight past your house. That's what's in old age. But if you're right with your kids, they'll give it you back when you need them later on. And I know when I get old, I'm never going to be lonely. I'm never going to be cold. I'm never going to be hungry. I'm never going to be starved of company because my children know by that stage of the game, if I'm still alive, that I need them. And the time I put into them, give me a bit back. And that's without question. I'm sure of that happening. My final question for you, John, is what does the word headstrong mean to you? Headstrong. <laughs> headstrong is jumping into stuff without thinking about it properly. Making decisions without thinking them through properly. That's headstrong. But I'm guilty of it. I'm a spare the moment man, you know, if I'm going to do something, if I want an holiday, I'm going to leave this today. I can get up at six o'clock going to work, but seven o'clock I want to go on an holiday. For nine o'clock it'll be booked, mm. and probably that day will be flying out. That's headstrong. I don't need the usual week to think things out. I can make decisions on the spare of the moment, no matter how much money it is and how important it is. I can make them on the spare of the moment, that's how I am. But you can be headstrong like me, but in a sensible way. But there's one thing about me. If I'm not sure about it, I'm going to ring somebody who is sure. Because yeah. no man's an island. No man knows everything. You know, and the contacts I've got, they can point me in the right direction when I need to. And that's what it is. Don't be afraid to ask other people. You know, because two heads are better than one. If you get stuck, there's plenty of people that ain't stuck. You know, and I remember when I was incarcerated there, I used to say to people, what does that mean? I wouldn't just swallow it and say, you know, or let that go and not mention it. I wanted to know what that word meant. So I'm going to say to the chap next to me, here, mate, what does that say? What does that mean? No, I know what the word says, but give me the meaning of it. And he'd tell me. I wasn't embarrassed. Oh, he said, don't you, know, don't, don't you know what that means? Not really. I said, can you explain in layman terms, please? <laughs> and then I'd feel better about asking. I thought, okay, it's another one. Yeah. I've educated myself by a chap next door to me who was probably more in need of education than me. But I always say, sometimes a fool can make a good suggestion, can't he? <laughs> and, I'm, <laughs> and I'm a fool and they make some good suggestions now and again. Hey, John, thank you so much for today. Thank you. I've really enjoyed it. Uh, you've been great to chat to. Thank you so much. Thank you very um, much. And When Fury Takes Over, your book is coming out on the 26th of October. I've read it and it is seriously profound, interesting, inspiring. So uh, Listen, thank you thank for you the good so comments. Much. And uh, what can I say? It's been a pleasure talking to you. You know your job. You're a caring lad. I can see in your eyes what you are. Hugs needed. Hugs needed. Come in. <laughs> Good work. Cheers, mate. Good work. God bless you. Nice one. That's Again. a wrap. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.